welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 223rd edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 723rd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of August 19th, 2021. I'm your host, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. Oh, Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment occurred on Sunday around 3 p.m. when the Indiana Hoosiers defeated Mega BC for the second time during its recent trip to the Bahamas. The two wins uh, are simply exhibition wins in August, but they continue the positive momentum the Indiana men's basketball program has had since the coaching change in March. While the Hoosiers did not play perfect basketball, winning does help the team move forward and make the necessary and needed adjustments with a positive outlook. Winning is also good for the fans. The fans have been waiting to see what a Coach Woodson team would look like, and the results were great. Winning two exhibition games does not mean the Hoosiers will win the Big Ten or see in the end, but there are positives to believe that improvement is here and only going to get better. Can't wait for Hoosier hysteria. Well, for all of you, but not me personally. I'd rather watch practice. Okay, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for tonight. First to my left. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, Let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. It's the one and only, the big lead, the man of the hour, Ryan Phillips. Your thoughts on uh, Indiana basketball? Really solid week uh, and good to talk about it. Yeah, and I think that that you've got both the the two wins and then the Jalen Hood Scafino, you know, news coming out as well uh, is really uh, uh, sort of if he winds up committing to Indiana. Your audio, Ryan. My audio, all right. My back. I don't know what's going on. It's one of the first time in assembly call history that we have not heard uh, from Ryan. Am I still? Am I here now, Coach? I can hear you, Ryan. On my end, he's bouncing out. So we're going to go to my right. He's also known as Coach, and he's producing some excellent uh, videos, X and O video deep dives of the Indiana Hoosiers on his new uh, website, IU Film Room. It's Tony Adrania. Coach, thanks for joining us tonight. What are your opening thoughts about IU basketball after a couple wins in paradise? Yeah. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me here. I'm so super excited to be here and talk some IU hoops with you gentlemen. But uh, – Opening thoughts, really excited about IU in paradise. Um, got to watch some film of, of the game and was really excited with what I saw. Am I back now, Coach? Okay, so everybody but Coach can hear me. It seems that's the deal. <clears throat> let's Let's talk to Coach here in the chat. Uh, we'll just continue on, Tony. Uh, so basically, Coach is having some technical difficulties, and he's the host, so that was why I got dropped earlier. I just want to say I, I think it was a really good uh, week. 
And now we've got a music from Coach coming in there. <laughs> this is hilarious. Sounds like they're working. Have a great show. Uh, yeah. So anyway, we'll move on. Uh, <laughs> this is hilarious. Um, anyway, guys, so I, I think it was a big week for Indiana to get those two wins in the Bahamas against a professional team. Uh, maybe not the greatest competition in the world, but a professional team, uh, with a potential lottery pick on it as well. And, and look with how many new people there are with how the system is new and all of that, that could have gone very poorly and, and, st- and not met anything for the season, but it just, it could have been disjointed. And it seemed like the team was very much on the same page. It seemed like there was a lot of energy. People were talking about that, the energy, the attitude, uh, the positivity that everybody was exuding the entire time and, and sort of the togetherness. I, I, I heard some people who were in attendance talking about how the team felt way more connected than it ever did the last couple of years as well. Uh, new, new guys and old guys. You know, at the same time. So uh, that's a positive. You've got the Jalen Hood, Scafino uh, coming down to two here, which could be a huge pickup in recruiting for Indiana. It's I think it is a incredibly important recruitment for Indiana to sort of bag one of these top guys under Mike Woodson this cycle. Obviously, they got, you know, Scoop Bates in the last one. But I think that getting somebody in this cycle uh, should be a priority getting a good recruit. It just sets the tone moving forward for recruitment because it's, again, a short timetable for these guys who came in late, sort of, uh, in replacing Archie Miller's staff. Getting a getting a big recruit is is kind of a, you know, a big deal at this point. So that's what I've got to, you know, say about this past week. I know Coach is, is dropping it out and working on his audio here. Tony, what I mean, what were your takeaways sort of of this week so far and, and how have you sort of felt about what happened in the Bahamas and then sort of the reaction to it coming out? Yeah, you know, as you said, I kind of I almost anticipated um, kind of some mayhem, some some agony. Uh, I was prepared for the meltdowns on Twitter, you know, when a loss came out. Especially uh, for what was essentially a meaningless, ex- they were they were basically practice games. You know that that's what they were, and so the reaction would have been hilarious, even though it's meaningless. You know, absolutely. Um, and I, I was fully prepared for it. Um, you know, I, I texted with some folks in in uh, the athletic department, and they were like, "Look, we could play really well and lose by 15 because this opponent, you know, historically is very strong. You know, had beaten uh, Texas Tech two seasons ago." Uh, had beaten Michigan a couple years coming off of a final four run. So, you know, historically speaking, this team uh, very, very solid that the opponent that I was going up against. So, um, you know, I was, I was pleasantly surprised to see the W's come out. And then once I was able to go back and watch some film of the games, um, I, I noticed that the team was, the opponent was kind of in the same season of life as IU preseason. Uh, they've had some roster attrition. They're trying to figure things out. Haven't been able to install a lot. So it was kind of a, it was a good matchup because um, it was two teams kind of in a similar place. So uh, overall I was really pleased with what I saw. Um, I think the main things that you hit on in terms of culture, it, you know, it's just like, it's like a sigh of relief. Just like it feels like a weight's kind of been lifted off the shoulders um, you know, everything has been so tense uh, around the IU basketball program under Archie Miller, for better or for worse. And, and it just kind of felt like it was just pretty like, much since the game. beginning, quite frankly. Yeah. <laughs> Literally since since the first game, you know, yeah. get, get run off the court by Indiana State. And 
and not to harp on that staff, but everything was just so tense and you, you could just feel it. And, and then, you know, this Mike Woodson staff comes in, he's, he's very laid back um, just in his whole approach to, to life. It almost seems, but I I'm sure very, very much um, very regimented in terms of how he operates a basketball program, but uh, just a laid back guy, you know, he, he tells it like it is, um, you know, his, his comment about, you know, how's Miller cop going to be doing, you know, he's, uh, his comment there was was funny. Like he's just down to earth. Um, so more than anything, was really excited to see just the guys were having fun. Um, but then you know, looking at some of the X's and O's things too, um, I know there's still a ton for them to put in. But I was excited just about uh, what I saw in terms of of spacing and things like that too with on the offensive end. Well, you've seen the film. I have not. I've seen some extended clips. I got you know slid to me on the side. I know you've seen the film. What were your big takeaways? Like what stood out? as far as a big takeaway, I know there's a lot of things that you could take away from that, but you know, was it a player? Was it a, something in the system that you liked? Like what, what was it that kind of jumped off the the screen to you? Yeah. A couple things. The, the number one being the pace. I mean, it was, it was uh, kind of a breakneck pace that IU was playing at. Um, they were looking to push on everything and that includes makes. Um, you know, there was, there was a time where uh, BC mega made a, made a bucket uh, two passes up the floor and Trace Jackson Davis was dunking it because we were we were really pushing the ball. Um, so that was really exciting to see and definitely a change. Um, you know, I ran some some analytics on the number of possessions that that IU had. And I think it was they were at 75 possessions in game one, which, you know, if they averaged that throughout a season, it would have been like sixth or seventh in Ken Palm's raw uh, pace. And so that was, a you know, that's a stark contrast from what the team was last season. So in, in 10 practices to have that kind of uh, instilled in, in already was really encouraging to me. And then on top especially, of that, especially such a sea change from the absolutely. past to come that quickly. That's impressive. Absolutely. And then on top of that, um, you know, their turnover percentage throughout the both games was 11%. So they were at a plane at a breakneck pace, but still didn't turn the ball over. Uh, which was really encouraging. To that me. is, yeah, that was my big takeaway. Was you know only, and especially as you said, you know, Mega was coming into their preseason too, and they turned it over twenty-seven times in the first. And you, and that's one of those things where, as a coach, you say like, "That's bad," but it's a preseason game, our first real work. You know, you kind of throw that out. But at the same time, IU didn't do that. Which is, you know, it it what what was impressive to me. So, uh, hopefully, I can get my hands on that same film that you got and uh we'll talk after and yeah. uh and, and watch the whole thing because i'm really interested to see what it was was there a player that stood out to you that impressed you i think scoop bates is is the real deal um, I, I think, yeah i think it's that's that's kind of the 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 normal answer that you're kind of getting from everybody that's been able to watch but i mean i knew he was good um i had, had watched some of his high school film and watched some of his recruiting stuff um, but I mean, he just, he looks so comfortable out there, like for a kid to just come in and look that comfortable and, and it's not fair to play the comparison game, but I look at like a Christian Lander coming in last year, never looked comfortable on the floor, yeah. like just didn't have that. And then you see scoop Bates go out there and, and he's quite literally making a scoop layup. I, I think I, you put that on one of their highlights where it just looks so seamless, so smooth, effortless, um, he, he let the game come to him. He wasn't forcing things. Uh, his stroke looked really good. He scored it at all three levels. I mean, he just – and he's got a little dog in him where, you know, he, he was talking some crap, and and I like that. You know, he's he's an alpha. And so he he certainly stood out to me in, on the plus side of, of 
um, you know, how Indiana can improve this season from an individual standpoint. He's, he's a guy that he's going to be a difference maker. Yeah. I, I think that's, uh, that's certainly something that was a takeaway for everybody was just how well he played. Um, just an update coaches is, is trying to get in as bad as, as, as badly as he wants to be here. He's trying to get in. His audio is not working. Uh, it's, he said that as soon as Tony came on, his audio got kicked off. So he's trying to, uh, work that out. Um, we will continue moving on here. Uh, I don't have any of the sound bites or anything of that. So we're just going to keep talking, Tony. That's, that's, that's what you and I are going to do here. And this people are just going to have to like this show. That's, (laughs) you know, uh, the the next thing up on the docket was the, the Jalen Hood uh, Chifino recruitment. He's down to IU in Tennessee, as I mentioned. Uh, there has been one crystal ball to Indiana. He's going to commit on the 24th, which is early next week. Uh, expect a scouting report from me next Thursday if he uh, if he does commit. Indiana is also in the Final Four for Noah Clowney, a 6'10", four-star, kind of stretch four-ish uh, forward. Um and he's his final four, Indiana, Virginia Tech, Florida, and Alabama. Hoosier Hysteria, as uh, has been mentioned, set for October 2nd. And the Hoosiers are going to open their season against Eastern Michigan, who ranks 294th in Bartorix preseason rankings. So hopefully a win there to open the Woodson era. Um, other than the games this week, Tony, is there anything that you're sort of you know marinating on about IU basketball moving forward? I mean, maybe in, in you know how you're sensing the sort of feeling after those games and the news coming out this week? Yeah, I think obviously it's positive, you know, in, in whether it's preseason or not, um, this program can use all the positivity that it can get around it. Um, You know, the, the team comes off a a fun time in the Bahamas, um, two W's against a pro team. And then you get the announcement of, you know, a big time recruits got you in his final two and and things you know seem to be leaning your way uh, that's a positive thing you know that that helps you build momentum and it can start snowballing um into some really really positive things um it gives your program confidence it gives you confidence as coaches um you know then when big time recruits start coming it gives other guys confidence that 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 program knows what they're doing and they're able to get kids so um overall i mean it's hard to be anything but positive right now um, you know, even when you look at the 2022 recruiting class, uh, the vibe around the, the current team, like just there's not a lot of negativity right now, which is definitely a good thing. Which the first time in a while, uh, quite frankly, um, for just a lot of positivity uh, for Indiana basketball. And I, I mean, it's been it's been years. And, and even as you said, sort of right from the beginning of the Archie Miller era, there was hope. But there was also kind of that trepidation of like, this doesn't look like it's working you know, for a while and to open, as you said, getting run off the floor by Indiana state and really struggling to adapt to the system with, you know, players from the previous regime and all of that, it just was negative, 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 and glimpses of positivity. This feels like since Mike Woodson's been hired within a few days, it felt like a lot of positivity from, from the fan base and has carried through to now. And, you know, there are some recruits who didn't, um, who maybe didn't pick IU or things like that. And, and you get some negativity, but I, I really feel like the vibe is incredibly positive. And I think that, you know, the feeling in the building when they open against Eastern Michigan is going to be one of pure positivity, uh, you know, 
instead of sort of trepidation. That, that's how I feel, and that's that's sort of the vibe I'm getting from the the fan base. Hundred uh, percent. Same same vibe myself. And, and you know, at that point, you're you're hoping that you've got you've got four guys lined up in the the class of 2022 um, that are that are all um, you know unique in their own ways. And, and like we mentioned, you know, you got a possible five star uh, that's kind of headlining that class. And 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 I think you need that guy. Quite frankly, I think you need that guy. I said it in my opening. I, I think just to make a statement. You need that guy. Like, yeah, you got Scoop Bates late last year, and he he sort of flipped to you late. But I think that that was a you know quick recruitment, a quick turnaround. I think you need, you know, to go head to head with somebody for a recruitment, a couple programs, and win a big one. And, and that would just signal it would make it okay for other big names to come to Indiana. You know, you got to break through with that first one. Tom Green had to get Cody Zeller. You know what I mean? Like he had to get that. Then it was okay for other guys to come. And and so I think that it's just, it's, it's a very important recruitment, even though, you know, I don't know if that's a championship winning guy. I, I haven't watched him enough, but it's an important symbolic recruitment more than anything. And, and uh, so to get him would be huge for, for Mike Woodson. Absolutely. And, you know, quite frankly, um, it's, you know, recruiting at the beginning, you know, Nobody's seen the coach play, you know, his style or anything like that. So we, in some regards, it's a little bit easier to recruit. Um, you know, Archie got got Romeo and all of that. But at the same time, you get these couple five-star guys in your backcourt. It, it helps you win. And it helps those those big-name recruits continue to start coming or continue to go to your school. So it's kind of a weird roundabout way to look at it. But ultimately, these five-stars that you're getting – are going to help you win games, but are going to help you win recruits down the line. So that's what's encouraging to me about it. Yeah, and and look, every statistical measure in college football and basketball shows the the teams that recruit the best win championships. I mean, that's you know, it's not always the number one recruiting class, but teams that consistently are in that top five, top ten are the ones that are in the final four. And and you have to recruit well, and you, then you, I mean, it's, you know, just as important, you have to develop players once they're on campus. But recruiting well is the first step. Um, again, coach is struggling to get in, so I, I'm just going to move this along to the next segment. And uh, we don't have any, you know, audio or anything like that. I'm, I'm just going to go right, blaze right on ahead to to our second segment, and that's sort of going to be was supposed to be the coach's corner with you and coach breaking down the game film. And uh, the first thing I want to do is 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 talk to you. Just we talked a little bit about pace as your overall takeaway. What are some of your other big takeaways from from watching? Uh, what happened in the Bahamas? Yeah, I think what's encouraging is that um, a lot of a lot of what IU did on offense was you know read and react type of offense, uh, instinctual, um, given a lot of freedom. So you know, to Coach Woodson's own admission, hasn't really installed a lot on the offensive end. I think I I think there was three sets I saw them run um, throughout the the entirety of the weekends, and so those three sets pretty successful. Game one, of course. Um, you know, they were scouted for game two because there's actually film on what they're going to do. Um, so that was what was actually more encouraging to me about game two was team had a little bit of film on them, was able to scout. You you go down a Miller cop early um, and, and still had some success. Uh, so that was what was kind of encouraging to me. Um, but offensively, just the spacing, um, it, 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 it suits my eyes better. Uh, it, it's it's. <laughs> 
let's be real. It's modern basketball. It's Correct. what people want to see. They want to see a spread floor, open shooting, and a lot of one-on-one post work. They don't want to see one-on-three post work, you know, and, and I agree. And, 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 you know, the ability and look, they didn't shoot great the weekend. The numbers weren't fantastic, but there's a willingness to shoot now that was not there under the last regime and just give it a go. And the more you, the more you shoot, the more confidence you're going to get at shooting as well, especially in a game situation. I know that was true when I played It was true when my friends were coaching and I was, you know, advising them like all those things. Uh, But I think one thing that was really interesting to hear a lot about is the inside out action is like, look, Trace Jackson Davis can have the ball in his hands. And the best way to get three point shots is going to be kick it out from there is to be able to kick it out, have him draw the defense, kick it out, and find uh, open shooters. That's going to be a huge opportunity for IU to knock down shots. And when you spread the floor and space the floor and you can knock down those shots, it's also going to be easier for him to work on the interior one-on-one. Hey, Coach, you back. hey there he is. Right. Man, <laughs> we, some, when I added Tony, it just blew up every system that I had working here, and I couldn't figure it out. I had well, that fit. I apologize. Yeah, Tony. That's not your fault. It's something here. that just StreamYard kicked me off. Yeah. And so, I needed to do a full reset, and I didn't want to end the show until um, we so got Coach, I, Jared I, there. So I'm I didn't sorry. Re- I didn't read the setup, but I just moved us on to segment two to talk about Coach's Corner since I don't have any of the music or the ability to did go you break. Did you read that? I didn't. That's, I'll, I'll let you do that midway through this segment. We'll just okay. do – So I'm, I'm, I apologize doing, to everybody, it's fine. but uh, there was just some technical difficulties with What would host. assembly call be without technical difficulties? A yeah, smooth show that, would be annoying. It just would. It's not as fun. Uh, so let's do your overall takeaways, Coach, because you've seen the film as well. We just got Tony's. He was talking about you know how okay. spread the offense is and the pace. Yeah, and and I don't want to duplicate anything that Coach said. He probably said some really good stuff, but I, I was pleased with uh, what I saw uh, schematically. Uh, I think there's some really good things that are moving Indiana basketball more to uh, what, what college basketball is. I think execution-wise, they have a long way to go from shot selection to, uh, you know, maybe an extra pass, something like that. Uh, defensively, I think they're still working on their ball screen coverage. Um you know, but but the intensity of how they played, they're playing more up tempo downhill, and I just thought the players looked energized, and and the difference between the two teams was the intensity level, which just speaks volumes um, for uh, what I think Indiana basketball is going to be down the road, uh, and and so it's just more positives. Uh, my overall takeaway, it was positive. You want to win, uh, but you want to get better, and, and I think both of those things. Uh, happened and, and like I said, if if, if the banner moment, I, I don't think they're ready to compete for the championship in the Big Ten yet. They still have a lot in my mind to clean up. So, but my over takeaways, it, it was a lot better than I probably expected. Uh, and there are some players that when we get down to personnel uh, that I think really uh, kind of surprised me and are going to be really you know key cogs to the to the offense and defense. So, what about? Uh, let's move to to defense uh, since that's the second on the list here. And then, hey, Coach, after we talk about defense, you can read your ad because I know you got to get there. But uh, what do you, what did you guys think defensively? Maybe the intensity, maybe the system they're running. What did you see from a coaching perspective that they were doing that might be different or even just more enhanced from the previous uh, uh, system? We'll start with you, Tony. Yeah, one thing that was interesting to me, I don't know if they'll be able to employ it for – 30 some games, but they picked up full court. And I think that just set the tone 
for the intensity that they played with on the defensive end. Uh, that was what was was I thought set the tone for the whole weekend. You know, first possession they picked up full court, and everybody you know extreme heavy ball pressure. Uh, like coach said, you know they're figuring they're figuring out their ball screen coverage, and they'll probably do some different things on ball screen coverage depending on who the opponent is. But overall, the intensity is what what made it. You know they they were the more intense team. They played with more energy, and and neither team really played particularly great offensively. So um, you know I thought Indiana did a great job in the defensive end, and it started um, you know from possession one picking up full court. In my opinion, yeah, I, I agree. I. I the full court pressure on dead balls was really uh, something. And, and what it does is it eats up shot clock time before teams can get into their desired offense. And I, I like that philosophy. The thing that I liked was the X outs on the backside, whether it was their ball screen defense or a drive and someone helped to stop the drive. Uh, they were really rotating. Um, that's more of an NBA style, I think, than, than you see college. Uh, colleges do rotations too, but they just really looked like they were looking to rotate um, to to help where the open cutter is going to be or the open shooter is going to be. And it was it was next man flying out there. And a couple of times they had too many guys flying, two guys flying to the ball at, at time. And that's just part of getting that system, uh, you know, worked out. But, uh, yeah, the ball screen covers, they didn't, hard, you know, hard hedge. They were in a drop coverage most of the time. They switched a little bit. They went under a couple times on the Smith kid. That I think they wanted him to shoot a little bit. And that's scouting report stuff. Um, but it just looks like they are wanting to stop the ball, collectively stop the ball and run to the ball. And then defense. That, and that wasn't, that was an issue in the past. Was really stop, good. Picking somebody to stop the ball. Um, I, I have a question about this. Again, you guys have seen the film. I haven't, when you're talking about, they're looking to rotate. Were there guys getting lost in rotations or did they seem to be, I know you said a couple of times, two guys jumped out, but it, did they seem to be pretty smooth? I know it's early in that process of building that team, but did it seem like everybody was on the same page for the most part? I'll, I'll, I'll start, Tony. You could you could fill in the gaps. The young guys, Tamar Bates got lost a little bit, Galloway a couple expected. times, but that's that's to be expected. Uh, I think uh, Race got caught looking at the ball once and got back cut on the baseline. But 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 coach knows that when you have uh, 70, 80 possessions, uh, you coach for perfection, but you're never going to get perfection. And he and I are going to find those those good things, but we're also going to find every single error. So, yes, I, I thought the younger guys had great effort, um, but their understanding of the defense has to come along. The veterans were, were right there. Uh, that would be my takeaway uh, defensively. Uh, but they were just aggressive at trying to get that ball covered up uh, and attack shooters, and then, boy, they were aggressive on, on the boards. Yeah, the rebounding was something that, that I was going to talk about. It was, you know, phenomenal. I mean, we're talking about a team they're lined up against that's average height of six nine. You know, that the that Serbian team was was some big dudes and yeah. and IU really out rebounded them two straight games. That's the biggest um, front line they're gonna face this year. hundred percent. And and you know, to talk about a little bit of that, it's that changed the subject a little bit, but those guys uh, you know, in terms of their length and things like that, like some of our, our offensive inefficiencies were some shots missed at the rim. Rob struggled a little bit at the rim. Um, I think some of that is length is that bother them that you probably won't see with a, a guard guarding him. So that's kind of jumping off subject a little bit there. Um, but I just wanted to note that. But, yeah, defensively, I pretty much echo everything Coach said. If I had to give it a, a grade on how smooth it was, it'd be like a B plus. I mean, pretty pretty dang good. And here's another thing I wanted to ask, because Mike Woodson was known for his teaching defense against this, but did they face many pick and rolls, and how did they look? Um, 
I thought that early on they got beat on some – the guys got to too far deep off the pick and rolls when they were in drop coverage. So I don't know that I'd really liked what they were doing totally. I like the scheme again. I think it's a good idea. They just got to get better at it. I couldn't figure out if they were switching and how they were covering, covering that role. Um, so, yeah. Um, the thing that was interesting to me is that they weren't denying all over the court. Um, they weren't in a denial. They were They were in a more open stance – you know, I hate to say that certain word, pack line uh, type stance, getting ready to stop the ball with gap defense more than they were denying. They were denying the six nine, eighteen year old phenom coming off stagger doubles. Um, but that's again, that just shows me those that staff is scouting and don't knowing what to do because that's how I mean that's how we guarded at the high school. We chase off staggers, um, but there was a little bit of open stance defense, but the difference was the intensity of trying to get pressure on the ball and not let it be driven, and then intensity of help and recovery on the backside. Do you do you guys feel encouraged by what you saw defensively? I mean, obviously the offense, the pace, all that, everybody seems really encouraged with that. Defensively, did it feel like an encouraging look and, and system that's maybe possibly more sustainable than the past one? It absolutely did on my end, you know, um, e- you know, even looking at the stats, uh, I think it w- I think the Serbian team through two games ended up at like 0.7 points per possession, um, you know, which would have ran away with the best defensive efficiency in the country last season, if that's what they averaged. So um, it's, it's hard to be mad at that. But in terms of just from an eye test standpoint, I was really encouraged, as coach said. Um, you know, wasn't a ton of denial. It almost kind of looked a little bit of pack line-ish. Um, but I, th- I thought that, uh, the, you know, the difference in that kind of pack line style was there wasn't an overhelping to where last season we saw so much overhelping where shooters just ended up wide open. It was more of a jab and recover type of, uh, you know, make the ball handler, pick his dribble up, recover back out to your man. Um, you can tell those are things that they've been drilling pretty heavy because even at one point, uh, I saw Trace Jackson Davis out on the perimeter kind of in an open stance. He did a jab and recover, got back out to his man on a three-point shot, um, which was exciting for me to see just him out on the perimeter playing D. So those are those kind of my takeaways. While schematically some of it did look a little bit similar to, to what Archie employed, uh, I thought the execution of the D already looked better than what we saw last season. You know, and, and Tony, the, the, they just looked more aggressive. They, they weren't thinking system. Right, they they were they were taught uh, some things, and then they were taught to play it aggressively. Right, so you, you you know the gap defense you were talking about, the the show and go or however you whatever terminology you use in a, in a program, uh, that was evident. And a couple times they didn't do that; it was a direct kick out for the for the three. Um, but everything was more intense. Um, everything the, the the gap help, the rotations on on the side, a couple charges taken. Uh, th- those those are things that. Uh, you know, I just think uh, defensively, while it might be a little bit similar, uh, could be um, a di- let me get this ad read in, fellas, since I totally screwed up uh, what we did before. So um, welcome back to today. I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV stream brings your live TV and on demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies and shows all in one place. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. To uh, Coach Donsoni run, I did figure out uh, 
where the mistake was is on my computer end. But how do you keep uh, – let's see, that's not the ad I'm really doing well tonight. <laughs> uh, we have a sponsor for the next few weeks, and its name is one of our longtime listeners of the Assembly Call. Uh, you'll recognize, if you've been watching or listening to the Assembly Call for a while, then you know Ed Fang. He writes one of the most reliable manuals each year on how to win your March Madness bracket pool. Plus, he's a Michigan fan. But to hold it much. Uh, but because of his hoops analysis, Big Ten connection, and friendship with Jared, Ed has joined our show a handful of times to talk Big Ten hoops in the NCAA tournament. Well, for his day job, Ed is the founder and lead analyst for The Power Rank, which he describes as, quote, sports betting with a PhD edge, uh, end quote. He specializes in football, both college and the NFL, and delivers consistent value to help you with betting, fantasy, daily fantasy, or anything else where having predictive metrics you trust can give you an edge. The best part, Ed's newsletter is free, and right now he's offering a special bonus when you sign up. His report on NFL quarterbacks who will fade in 2021. All you have to do is sign up for Ed's newsletter. To do so, go to thepowerrank.com backslash AC. That's thepowerrank.com backslash AC. We recommend Ed's site even when he wasn't a paying sponsor, so we appreciate him supporting our work with this sponsorship. Ed is good, honest guy who does good, reliable work, which isn't something always easy to find in his industry. So if sports betting is your thing, make sure you subscribe to his free newsletter at thepowerrank.com backslash AC. And now we can go back to talking uh, Indiana Bahamas. Again, thank you, everyone. Uh, you're listening to the assembly call, uh, jumbled mess. Uh, my uh, recording device switched outputs somehow when, when we were moving people in and out. Uh, that was probably just a click by me behind the scenes, and I just discovered it. But we're back talking some good stuff here with the Bahamas. Um, so, so, Ryan, you've been asking a question. It's very good. You get to host. I think – I didn't hear it, but you did a, a, a good job keeping the show I, going. I thought it was brilliant, and I think I kind of want to retire on top, Coach. I'm just going <laughs> to yeah, so, step so, down now. So we'll, I think I'll have to re-listen and, and grade your grade your performance. But um, so your thoughts um, from the, the shows we've done and, and kind of what you've heard uh, since you've been asking us the questions, what are your thoughts at this point? Uh, you know, honestly, and, and we were going to do offensive thoughts next. I think we kind of touched on that. The big thing was, was pace and, and spreading the, spreading the floor. We've kind of hit that a couple times, but I think the thing that was most encouraging to me was again, just the attitude of everybody. Like everybody seemed happy. And I know that's not a technical coaching thing. And, and it, but it goes a long way when people are enjoying themselves. They're more willing to practice hard. They're more willing to listen. I know you guys have experienced that. It's They're more willing to listen. They're more willing to... If they feel like they're a part of something positive and they feel like they've got a chance, that's why you see teams fall into holes during seasons where they start to lose and it compounds and then the, you hear about the practices aren't as good and things because there's just negativity. And as long as there's positivity, you're going to get good work and that good work is going to lead to good things on the floor. And, and so I think just the overwhelming positive attitude of everybody involved. I mean, you just saw kids. I mean, you saw multiple people get interviewed on this show on, on the Hoosier hysterics guys, got some people, they were just gushing about how much fun they were having and, and how great everybody else was and, and how it was just a blast. And that was not because they were in the Bahamas and drinks were cheap. Like that was because of what was going on on the floor and what they were doing. And um, it's so much easier to get guys to believe when they feel good about themselves and they feel good about the, 
the the team they're on. That's true of anything. That's true of work. If you're in a work environment you love, it's going to make that that much easier. That's definitely true of sports, though, and it's true of every sport. You're positive, things will happen. And so I think that that was my biggest takeaway. Obviously, I haven't seen the film, um, but I think even when I do, the biggest takeaway would just be the monumental change in attitude from about six months ago until now and and, and how staggering that is. And I think that's going to carry this team forward. And, and Tony, that, that leads me into our offensive discussion uh, on, on your offensive thoughts, because I, I think what Ryan just noticed and said in his takeaway uh, really showed up uh, offensively, despite maybe some lower shooting percentages. Um, your thoughts on uh, Indiana's offensive performance in the Bahamas. Yeah, I, I thought overall it was encouraging, and I noted a little bit earlier, um, you know, game one I, th I thought was fairly efficient in terms of, of how they shot and the looks that they got. Uh, game two, the team had a little bit of film on them. One of their better players in Miller Cop went down with injury and so, uh, you know, had to adjust and kind of play off their instincts and, and some of the read and react stuff that they've been taught and a little bit less efficient, but I think the tempo and the flow – and the open floor and the open spacing made it easier to watch. Like if, if you would have told me that Indiana's offensive efficiency was, you know, at, at 0.9 points per possession, I, I almost wouldn't have believed you just because from the eye test, you know, things looked fun. It didn't look like a taxing offense. Um, you know, there, the guys were moving and, and the offense was flowing um, to where I was excited about it. I was, I was extremely encouraged by the offense, um, you know, numbers aside, the, just from the look and, and the spacing and the open floor um, and got in the spots guys were in. And then as Ryan noted um, the inside out approach uh, to the offense, um, you know, there was, and by no means was it perfect either. You know, there, there were certainly some, some takeaways from it where I'm like, okay, they're gonna have to fix this or this is gonna have to change. And shot selection wasn't great all the time, but overall I was encouraged, you know, 10 practices um, in, 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 and almost no focus on the offensive end and, and still being able to, to get good looks was really encouraging to me. I, I just thought the, the, the pace of play and, and the freedom to shoot was something that was so different than what we saw uh, in, in the past. Players were free to hunt shots a little bit. And, and, and Coach, I, I think – you know, it's easier to back kids off and teach them, you know, hey, this needs to be a better shot, this needs to be a better shot, than it is to, you know, squelch that to start uh, and, and go. So this team just looks to be playing free and enjoying the fact that they can come off a ball screen and, and launch a shot. Or or I, I, I think Miller Cops out-of-bounds play, and I don't know if it was late shot clock or not. Uh, I don't think I saw the shot clock on that clip that I saw. But he caught on the wing and he drove and he just elevated and kind of kicked his leg back. And it was it went in, and it was a shot making, but B even if it missed, it was he had the freedom to go create a shot. Uh, and, and so much college basketball is creating shots and making plays. That's why you know IU was one of big. You know I I like watching him because he would just go get buckets. Uh, we got tomorrow, and we'll talk personnel coming up. We talked. Um, you know tomorrow can go get buckets, and Parker Stewart will be able to get buckets. Um, you know shots got to go in. And, and one of the concerns is they, they had lower shot percentages and uh, and people start scouting more and doing those things. So uh, I think shot selection needs to be probably a little bit better because there were some four shots in the lane. But, um, boy, I liked – it just looked college basketball to me. Um, it, it just looked like modern college basketball. 
uh, with the pace and, and the way the, the players were free to, to create shots. So, and, and the other thing is it seems like if you make a good play on defense, you can go down and create some offense. And that's been a, that's been a thought of mine. If I, if I ever get back into head coaching, it's going to guys, you're going to do play defense my way. And then if you get a steal, just go do whatever you want. It's, it's a free possession. There was a lot of that going on and, and, and that's just fun to watch. Um, so I, I think we're going to really enjoy this offense, um, quite, quite a bit. And, and again, if the defense is solid and you have an off night, like Sunday didn't shoot well, uh, that's going to bode well, but there's quite a few players that, uh, really made some names. Uh, Ryan, I'm going to send this one to you. Uh, which player stood out from you from, uh, what, what you have seen and what you've read uh, about, uh, Indiana's performance. Well, I think the answer for everybody was kind of Scoop Bates. I think that he was very impressive. I think we expected him to be impressive. When you listen to my my scouting report, I I thought that he just personality wise was going to come in and be confident, and he just looks like a confident kid. He thinks he can play college basketball now, and and he probably thought he could play college basketball two years ago. He, he's just that kind of guy. And you know, watching some of the drives he had, watching the confidence he had to shoot the ball, um, all of it, I, I think that stood out to me the most. Uh, and I know t- Tony said the same thing. So let let's take it to another. You know who's deeper. I, I think also Miller Cops' effect on this team is going to be tremendous because he's a reliable shooter, and that's just something they needed so badly. Plus leadership. He's charismatic on the floor. He knows how to get everybody to the right spot. I, I just think he's so solid and smart on the floor that he's going to have such a tremendous impact for this team. And you know. Another thing is he went down in the second game and there wasn't a huge drop off. I mean, they didn't run the score up, but to lose him and continue going, I, I think that that was really important to see, given how I think how important he's going to be to this team. So who else other than than Bates did you guys find impressive? Because I think that that's the guy that just jumped off the page for everybody. Yeah, to me, I thought I thought cop uh, is going to be so vital, and uh, he, he brings in ta- intangibles to to the team. That um, I think he's somebody that when things are going wrong, he's not going to be afraid to get in somebody's butt, and he's earned that respect to be able to do it. Um, and, and IU hasn't really had that. Um, you know, Trace has gotten into guys' rear ends a couple times and things like that, but I think that. I think Miller Cop is, is very much an alpha. I think Bates will end up being a guy that'll be able to get into somebody's butt and be very respected. Um, but to go off of, of if I'm picking somebody besides those two, Jordan Geronimo, um, very much uh, he's going to be hard to keep off the floor um, for extended periods of time because the guy's motor is high. He's going to go get every rebound. I actually screen grabbed a rebound that he grabbed during the game because I swear to you, his hands were at the top of the backboard. I mean, he went and got it at its apex. He was out rebounding guys that were taller than him and bigger than him. Um, he's got a nose for the ball. And, and Mike Woodson sees it. I mean, he's talked. Look, he's raw. Um, he, he he clearly hasn't played a lot of high-level basketball. But, but man, when it clicks for that kid, um, you know, he's going to be something pretty special, I think. And I think Mike Woodson sees that. And I think a lot of us got a kind of glimpse into that last season. But I think we're going to see a lot more of it this year. I, I, I think cop uh, exceeded, I was wondering, you know, where he was going to fit in, what with, with Bates and Parker Stewart and wondering if he was going to be fighting for a position. It just seemed like, wow, he was, he was a guy that was ready to play uh, and, and was really impressive. And I will second that Geronimo uh, offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, blocks, uh, hit a couple threes. Um, it just overall, uh, I think, it's easy to see this team is a lot more talented 
and, and the the people that were brought in to uh, Bates and and the transfers really have increased. We haven't even seen Durr yet as a backup, uh, which will be very much uh, appreciated uh, to to help with minutes in the post. But this team is just uber talented, um, more than they were last year. And again, how do they match up to the the top teams in the Big Ten? Well, we're we're going to find out here in a few short months. Uh, but it is a lot better roster than than it was last year. But uh, I, I was going to say Geronimo, uh, number one. Bates solidified what I thought of him, and then Cop uh, figuring out a role. And, and then uh, let's talk point guards. Um, we, we had we had um, you know bo- both uh, veteran point guards did some things well, and we we had you know a younger point guard that didn't get a whole lot of run. Um, Ryan, your thoughts on it? Seems like those three are going to play and very rarely play together at any point. Your thoughts on the, on the point guard coming out of uh, Bahamas? Well, what I'll say is about people worried about playing time for certain guys and all that. Injuries happen. I don't want to curse the team, but everybody's going to get a chance to play if they're healthy because other guys are going to go down. You know, that's what happens, especially in the Big Ten. You're going to see guys go down. You're going to see guys get a chance to play. And, and I know everybody is really worried about Christian Lander because he didn't play very much in the Bahamas. And it's okay. I understand that. He was a five-star, big-time guy. He would be a freshman this year if he had stayed on his normal clock. Um, I think Mike Woodson, I would not be shocked if he treats him as if he's a freshman this year and and tries to get him in to some point. But Mike Woodson also wants to win. He didn't come to Indiana to develop. He came to Indiana to win games. And you know, develop guys along the way, but his priority is winning and turning this program around. Mike Woodson doesn't have 20 years at Indiana to do this. He's on a he's on a much shorter clock than some other guys who come. And so I would say that, you know, a lot of people were impressed with the poise of Xavier Johnson. And I think a lot of people were impressed with how much energy Rob Finnessy played with compared to what we'd seen in the past. And he was sort of uh, used to just be so hesitant to do anything. And I just have been told again, I've seen limited footage that he was just far more decisive and far more active uh, offensively, especially we've seen to be active defensively pretty much his entire career, but offensively just much more active. And I'm wondering if that's what you guys kind of saw. I saw, I saw really good point guard play. Um, in in that aggressiveness in coming off ball screens and pushing the floor uh, in, in transition, looking to pitch ahead. That's great. And the lack of turnovers, you have to credit the point guards. You know, everyone's in the turnover game, but Indiana really did not turn the ball over uh, much at all in the Bahamas. And so that has to go uh, to there again. Uh, they got to make shots at some point. You can play with the freedom and you can do that, but they're going to have to make uh, shots because the percentages that went in between X and Rob, um, who got the most run, they weren't really, you know, uh, good percentages, but they're not afraid to take shots. And I like right now in August, that's where you need to be. You know, you need to make shots in March uh, and, and you have some time to get there, but you, you don't make any shots you don't take. Um, and, and so, again, I was pretty impressed with the, the one and the two. And I thought Lander in his brief moments, had done a, a few things to show that that he can play, but he's he's really is behind uh, those other two clearly. Yeah, I think Lander's buried a bit, uh, as you guys noted. Um, what I like about X is that he's a creator. I mean, he he whether he's creating for himself or he's creating for somebody else. I think him and Trey Jackson Davis and the ball screens are going to be a problem for for opponents to guard, especially when you've got Miller Cop coming up, kind of as that replace guy in the shake action. That's 
that's what excites me, like seeing those. And then you got Bates in the corner. Um, and, and X is going to find guys. Uh, like He's going to force the issue sometimes. He's going to drive some people nuts with some of the, the his shot selection. I can already tell that. But those are the things you live with. Uh, with a guy like him because he's going to create, he's going to, he's going to make the right decision more times than not. Um, and then with Rob, I just saw a much more f- free flowing Rob. Rob has looked so robotic to me um, in how he's played uh, the the past couple seasons, especially that um, I was kind of excited to see him take a bad shot every once in a while, just like, all right, Rob, like you're looking to do something here or, or, you know, you're not just in this, this blocker mover offense where I got to throw it here and I got to go here and I got to do that. Like it was just, it, it was good to see um, numbers, not so great, but as coach said, in August, you live with that stuff. Um, you would rather have to tone somebody down than have to build them up. So I'm perfectly fine with, with the numbers that we saw based on how they got there. You, you can see uh, coach, if you, if you, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but there were a couple possessions where you see the old Rob creep back for a little bit, like he dribbles in the lane and then he, he pivots and he just doesn't look smooth, you know? So you could tell that he's really trying to get better because there were those moments were very, 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 very few, maybe just one or two from what I remember. Um, but yeah, the, the, the point guards are going to have to hit some shots and, and, but a lot of them that were missed were contested at the rim were aggressive shots and even some turnovers like, um, X had a few turnovers in, in game two, but they were aggressive trying to lob it up to TJD or trying to make a bounce pass in the post. And, uh, I don't mind aggressive turnovers. I know Coach Woodson wants to keep under 12, uh, but, you know, if you had six in game two, I think four or five of them were really aggressive trying to make a post feed, trying to go to the basket, and they didn't result too many in in pick sixes uh, going going the other way. So I I was pretty impressed with with the point guards. Let's talk a little bit about – we talked about Geronimo, but there was a guy, Race Thompson, who just does Race Thompson things. Um, I, I I remember this offseason. Some people were starting to say, well, I mean, if race can't shoot, he's going to come off the bench. You cannot have that guy on the bench. You yeah. can't. It's too much energy, too much rebounding, too much activity defensively. He's just one of those guys who's an engine that drives the team, regardless of statistics, regardless of what he can do. I mean, I hope he can knock down threes, too. But we've talked about it a lot. There are a lot of games over the last two years that Indiana won because race Thompson was on the floor. That's the only reason. And he's not a guy who fills up the stat sheet every game necessarily, but he's just one of those guys that does all the right things. And it showed, and, and, and coach, uh, what, what, what possession I'll see if, if you are thinking the same thing, what possession would Ryan really love uh, that race Thompson uh, from race Thompson um, in the Bahamas offensively? I'll, I'll say it was, a, it was an offensive play. I don't know if I can think of it. Um, yeah, just tell us coach. Well, he hit a three and was contested and didn't even hesitate. Okay, that's right. what I was going to say. I was going to say the three. So we were thinking yeah, on the same page. Th- there was one on the right wing where that ball came out and the defender was close with the hand up. And he just said, I'm shooting it. And, and that's that attitude we're seeing. Um, you know, I don't know that it was a good shot, to be honest. But <laughs> but it's a good shot once it goes in. I think it was the first possession of game two, now that I think it, about it. It might have been. It might have been. Yeah. And um, there was another time when he missed a three, but he, he took a, a, a good shot. And he's just, you know, he's got that powerful force in, inside. Um, uh, so so who haven't we talked about? We talked about Tamar being there, Cop being there. Galloway had some nice play, and he's going to be a nice eighth, ninth man coming off the bench. Um, I haven't talked much about Parker. Parker Stewart. Yeah, what do you guys think of coach? Parker Stewart? Um, he struggled to shoot the ball and, you know, that it's, 
that's kind of got kind of be his bread and butter. And if if there's games where he's not shooting it well, it's it might be one where you quite literally have to park him on the bench. Um, but I don't want to I don't want to say he's got Devontae Green vibes, but he does kind of have that. I think he's going to have some hit or miss games where you know he's going to miss four or five shots in a row, and a couple might be bad shots, and it's going to drive you nuts. But the the guy can when he's on, he's on, and he can fill it up. So you know, he might be a guy that can go win you a couple games too. Um, you know, when the team's struggling offensively and he can create his own shot. Um, I, and then out of nowhere, he had like six steals, I think in one game. Um, so that was impressive. Although some of them, that Serbia team is throwing the ball over the floor. Some of them were just literally handed to him, but, um, you know, you think oh, they were just on vacation in a few positions. <laughs> they, it was, they were enjoying the Bahamas <laughs> quite literally. Uh, but yeah, Parker. I mean, he, he's he kind of is what I thought he was in in those games. Um, he's a guy that can shoot it. He's gonna shoot it. He, you know, he's he's a guy that he averaged what twenty a game almost at UT Martin. He he knows how to score it. He's not afraid to shoot it. He's got confidence in his ability. So um, yeah, I, I I think he'll be a fine piece. Um, I'm not going to read too much in for what he ended up two for 10 from three because, you know, three-point shooters need short memories and the fact that he's taking them and uh, he was able to score in the lane, take a hit and square up and 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 hit a, a floater, which I like because we didn't have closers for a while. We got X now. You got Miller can do some of that all. He's not super great off the, off the bounce, but he's a bucket getter. Um, and so I was really, really, really impressed with him uh, with his defensive presence and not so much – the, the, the ball's just thrown to him, but his hands, his hands guarding uh, the perimeter player was knocking the ball, making it really tough for the mega ball handlers to move. And and I, I just think he uh, rust, I would say he looked a little rusty in competition. Uh, and, and Coach Woodson had said that in a, in a preview uh, that he at once was the best player and then he, then he fell back and, and – w- constantly needs that that pushing but he, but he's going to be there and then there's trace jackson davis I, I just trace jackson davis was really good looked energized still needs to work on his right hand um you know because that's when he had a couple misses when he he made the moves uh to the right side but but missed uh but you know he's uh he does trace jackson davis things anything that you that you saw specifically coach he, i mean he's an all-american he, he he's he is exactly what you think he's going to be. I mean, he's he's going to command the defense's attention. And what I really liked is that he didn't he didn't force too much. Um, you know, he he if he made a mistake, he was right back. You know, he up on his feet, sprinting back on defense. Um, last year, I felt, and he's still very well could this year. This we're looking at a small sample size, but last year I felt like he'd get a little down on himself um, and, and kind of mope around, if you will. I don't want to say. I mean. The kid averaged almost 20 and 10. I can't can't talk too much bad about him, but um, I, I just felt like he had great energy about him. I, I think he knows he's a leader and the team's going to go as he goes, and I think he's ready to take that on, um, which was was good to see. Um, but, yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, the right hand's still, still uh, a work in progress. Um, and, and then the jump shot, I think that eventually he's going to have to knock down a 15-footer um and and possibly even stretch farther out perhaps i know woodson talked about some corner threes for him so uh overall i mean he, he's he's the best player on the team and and he's going to command a lot of attention from the opponents he's gonna he's gonna enjoy having some other scorers around him too because boy the pressure on him to to score every possession or work hard or work through defenses uh and, and you saw some of that so uh, that'll do it for our conversation our coach's corner um coming up in our third segment we'll 
uh, answer your questions and um, stick around here on the assembly call. Susan, it's so great to finally be able to get together again. Oh, it sure is. And I really appreciate you picking up the bill. I'm happy to. I've got the extra cash. Since we've all been driving so much more again, I've been using GetUpside, the free gas app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get paid cash when you buy gas with the GetUpside app? Yes, up to 25 cents a gallon. Cash back every time I buy gas. Does that actually add up to anything? Some months I make 200 to 300 bucks. What? Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the free GetUpside app now. Download the free GetUpside app now in the App Store or Google Play to save up to 25 cents a gallon when you buy gas. Use promo code FILL for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's up to 50 cents a gallon on your next fill-up. You can cash out anytime to PayPal or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code FILL for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code FILL. Rocket Pro Insight makes it easy for real estate agents to help clients strengthen their offers with a verified approval, giving you the power to adjust the approval letter amount. Sign up today at rocketpro.com slash real estate. Alright, again, I apologize. There was a setting on the recording that Jared has me record and it changed from um, something changed and sent it to my secondary monitor instead of th- my headphones, so I just couldn't hear. Once I hit record, and the show started, I heard myself. And then once you guys started talking, it was it was going to my uh, other monitor. So I apologize to everyone for I uh, really messed up. But I, hopefully the content will come through and you'll uh, appreciate um, what we're doing uh, there. So It's all right, Coach. Yeah, I don't like that. It's that coach in me, man. It's perfection. <laughs> but it's, I, have that, I have that recording behind the scenes, so I, don't, I had to go look for it um, afterwards. So. All right, I'm going to read uh, something when we come back, and then we're going to um, – did, you didn't read uh, Welcome Back to Assembly Call stuff, any of the stuff, I didn't Ryan, read did any you? of it. We just moved you just right went to. Ahead. All right, yeah. very good. <laughs> All right, here we go. This is Tim Priller, and I never miss an episode of the Assembly Call. Well, Tim, we're glad you're listening uh, and stuck through us uh, with those technical difficulties. Welcome back to Assembly Call. I want to remind you that you can keep up with all the information that comes out every day uh, from IU basketball. Uh, it's been a crazy offseason, but a good offseason, uh, and we got your back. We send out a free weekly email newsletter on Sunday mornings. It rounds up the most important and interesting IU basketball stories from the previous week, and it keeps you up to date on your Hoosiers. Over 8,000 of your fellow IU fans are on the list, and we want you to be there, too. So go to join.assemblycall.com to subscribe for free right now. That's join.assemblycall.com. You can also text IU to 66866. That's IU to 66866. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, finally back with you, Coach Adranya and Ryan Phillips. We've been talking Bahamas. It was a, it was a really great uh, trip for the Bahamas, uh, a lot of positives, and always get something on film and things for Coach Woodson and his staff to work on. I think everyone's going to be happy come Hoosier hysteria and November 9th when the Hoosiers take the floor in, in the schemes and the way these young men play and the coaching staff coaches. So we're here and we have uh, your questions all 
uh, of the questions were in our mailbag, were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community. And if you uh, are interested in that, you can learn more about that and join at assemblycall.com backslash community. And that's really growing and doing some great things. So you can join us there. Uh, so, fellas, here's some questions. Um, now that the, this is from Terrence Harper, uh, now that the Bahama trip is over, uh, what restrictions are in place for the coaching staff uh, interactions with players and or the full team and how soon can full practice resume? Uh, Ryan, do you know uh, about? I used to know all these rules, but they've they've changed so much over the past, you know, five, seven, five to seven years. I don't know what the restrictions are now. I know they got to do a lot more leading up to the Bahamas and do full practices. I don't think they're obviously I think that shuts down until Hoosier Hysteria now or around the time of Hoosier Hysteria now. Um, but there are rules now about workouts and things like that that people can attend. And I, I don't know the full rules and, and we could try and find those for you. Um, I believe it's, I believe coach Woodson gets one hour on the floor with them a week, a week. Right. And, and I think that's a full team. Yeah. Yes. Um, but you know, there are no like formal full practices until pretty much the season, a couple weeks before the season starts now, uh, which is why this trip to the Bahamas was so important to get in, especially given all the new players, the new system, the new coaches. It was the right time to do a trip like this. And you're not allowed to do it every year. You have to do it every couple of years. You're, you're greenlit to do that. And so this, that's why I think they were so adamant about doing it now. So they weren't getting on the floor full team together for the first time in a couple months. So, um, but yeah, I'm not hundred percent sure what the restrictions are there. Yeah, the rules I, have changed. At one point it was uh, 42 days before your first game. Uh, you could practice, um, uh, five times a week. So you could have 30 practices in 42. It used to be October 15th was a starting date and now it's just backdated. And I don't know if those numbers have changed. That was several years ago. So looking at the end of September, uh, when five full practices a week probably could get started and that's, uh, Hoosier hysteria is October 2nd. So that probably is at the end of that first week of allowed practice is what that seems like, uh, they've decided to, to do there. Uh, there was uh, uh, someone here on uh, Facebook asked, and it's uh, I think it's a really good. Uh, Seth um, Camello says, "How involved was the coaching staff during the game?" Tony, um, your thoughts on how the coaching staff and and specifically Coach Woodson uh, interacted uh, with with the players? Yeah, I mean, I think if you've seen him coach uh, at the NBA level from a head coaching standpoint, he's he's pretty laid back in terms of of in game. I mean, I think we're fairly used to Archie. I mean, he was very intense. Um, I, you don't get that vibe from coach Woodson, but what I really liked is almost every time somebody came off the floor, he grabbed them and had some teaching point for them. Um, in the, the video that I saw, um, and I forgive me, I, I forget the gentleman's name that recorded it, but he would actually focus in on, on those situations. And it was really cool. Um, because you could see, Coach Woodson interacting. There was one in particular, Jordan Geronimo. It was about a 30-second interchange where Coach Woodson wasn't paying attention to what was going on in the game anymore and w- was teaching. Um, so that was that was awesome to see from me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in terms of his demeanor, very calm, cool, collected, um, been there, done that. I mean, that guy's coach at the highest level in, in very intense situations. So, uh, I mean, he's in the Bahamas. He's probably thinking about the next cigar he's going to smoke. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I was really impressed. The story I liked is when someone wanted to call an out of bounds play, and he said, "You know, you call it. You're you're a senior. You call it." And, yeah. and those are little subtle 
Create confidence. Next question is from CW76. He goes, thoughts on how important it was for the coaching staff to work together during the games and the time spent leading up to them. Ryan, your thoughts just overall about this Bahama. Uh, Bahama. We've talked a lot about it, but to incredibly, sum up how important it was. Incredibly important. I, I like I it's funny. People talk about this. We've mentioned this before. People talk about you know, putting a staff together and you always hear people discuss like, go get the best assistant from this school and the best assistant from this school and the best, and you'll have a super assistant staff, you know, 90% of what makes a staff successful is chemistry. I mean, it's, it doesn't matter how high profile you are, how low profile, if you fit with the other guys and you complement each other, well, that's as important as your bit, your individual ability. And so getting to work together in a game, sort of find their way of who needs to do what. And I'm sure that's prescribed ahead of time. But, you know, you can learn like, hey, during a game, maybe Dane Fife needs to do more of this and Kenya needs to do more of this. And we should focus on that. You know, I mean, they're learning each other as well, you know, and, and I think that no matter how much you know each other off the floor, learning to work together on the floor is incredibly important and, and just finding that sweet spot of compliment, finding ways to complement what each other do. Who's playing good cop. Who's playing bad cop. Who's, you know, when coach is upset about something, who's cheering up, who's the guy who's going to go cheer guys up on the, on the bench. When, when coach might miss something that's going on, who's the one who's going to chime in and, and remind him, Hey, no, he's got four fouls. We need to move that. We need to do this. It's just a matter of, of fitting together. And so these games were as important for the staff as they were for the players, I think, certainly. Just to get on the same page, experience a game together and understand, okay, so that's what Dane's like during a game. That's what you know, uh, Coach Woodson's going to be like during a game. I mean, you can watch it as much as you want on film. You can discuss it as much as you want, but you don't know until you're in the situation. So I think it was incredibly important for everybody involved with Indiana basketball. Coach, have you ever been on a staff where you were you were the sounding board for the head coach? So when the head coach is mad, you were the one who got ripped. Um, he turn and say, you know, yell at you. That that's that's part of my role at Western. You know, when when the head coach is angry, he he, he turns to me and like I'm supposed to have some magical wand to fix it. But that's part of learning that that coaching chemistry too, because head coach has got to turn around and say something when he's mad. And, and usually there's one coach that he turns to and really just you know let's have it. Absolutely. Yeah. And you guys both nailed it. I mean, staff synergy is so, so important um, in how you work together. And as Ryan said, you can you can talk about what somebody's like during a game. Um, You know, you can tell stories about I did this once I did that once. But until you experience it, you don't really know. And and yeah, it's vital. It's just as vital for the coaching staff as it is for the players, as you guys noted. Um, I've got nothing else to add there. Uh, Jeff uh, Marlowe, Coach Marlowe, um, is asking this question. What do we think about the how the playing time was divided in the Bahamas? Were we surprised about how much or how little some guys played? And it seemed like Coach Woodson played it uh, as a regular game to get going as opposed to an exhibition where he had set rotations and wanted to see people. And, and I think there's pros and cons with maybe selecting both ways. Uh, and, and I'm kind of glad afterwards that he, he did because it just set the tone for the Bahamas. Uh, Tony, was, was the fact that he played it like a, a game with regular substitutions, uh, fouls, and all of that kind of stuff, was, was that a surprise to you? Did you like it? Your, your thoughts on his game management there? Yeah, I, I, I liked it. I, I thought that it was important for um, – Everybody just kind of get kind of get a vibe of, of what he's looking to do, and then I think injuries forced his hand a little bit. Um, you know, he was he was only had ten guys available, um, so that helped pare things down pretty quickly for him um, in terms of a rotation. 
And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like the way he played it. Uh, you know, I think that it's important for those guys to have some confidence in terms of chasing a W rather than figuring out rotations and things like that. Because in all honesty, in August, those things can change so much anyways that, you know, play it to win. And and, and guys still got valuable experience, I think, regardless, as I said, just based on injuries anyway, kind of forcing the hand. And the only question, Ryan, is is Christian Lander uh, getting you know less than what seven eight minutes in in two games? That that might be the only question of whether he needed to have more minutes or not. Yeah, look, what I would say about the rotations and everything is it's it's preseason. You know what I mean? We don't know this is going to be the rotation when things kick off in October. I, I think that yes, he did sort of have an idea going in, and he stuck to it and stuck to his rotations and all of that. But there's a long way to go, and I'm sure there's plenty of playing time to be earned from these guys. And I know people are going to freak out about Christian Lander, but you know what? I think that you have to let this play out. And if Christian's not going to fit in this system, he's not going to fit with this team, he won't be here. I mean, he's he's talented enough to go somewhere else. I don't think that's the case. I think that Coach Woodson will find a way to get Christian Lander in the rotation if Christian Lander is as good as we think he is and can't as good as we think he can be and so you've got to let this play out I, you know reacting too much to an august exhibition on a tropical island is you know you don't want to go over the top with it i, I think that they went in with a plan they executed the plan and now they're going to watch the film develop something and see who develops there's plenty of time to develop before the season starts you know from now until then you've still got plenty of summer left you've still got the whole fall left there's plenty of time to earn playing time. And I think that, that anybody discouraged about somebody not getting playing time or not getting playing time or whatever, there's plenty of time to figure that out. Uh, the next question comes from uh, Barbara uh, Vorgang. I hope I pronounced that right, Barbara. Uh, talking about, does the coaching staff look ahead to the Big Ten teams and, and who's on the roster and who might be the strongest competition? Um, Ryan, I'll, I'll throw that back to you and we can just circle around to Tony. How much are they looking forward at this time? Or when do they start looking at uh, the Big Ten um, to, to plan what they're doing. Well, there's somebody on, there's somebody on the staff that's already scouted all of that. I mean, I, I think that that you always have those scouting reports done in the back of your mind. And then as you see more, um, moving forward, you, you can, as you get more information, the first time that Michigan state plays someone, Indiana is going to have a video of that and they're going to compile a scouting report. I mean, it's, but I think that you have to scout the returning players already. And while guys are going to get better, worse, whatever, you have to have that in your back pocket. So they've already had somebody gone and looked at every opponent this year and have a stack of scouting reports done on them. And then, you know, as you get more information this fall and and early in the season, you'll start adding to those. So, um, I think they've they've already done that by going yeah. through. I agree. I mean, in synergy is a beautiful tool. Um, it, it allows yeah. you to to break down any opponent really quickly and, and get film on them. Um, but I, I do think that that they certainly have a pulse on those things. And that, but I do think that. But the majority of what they're doing currently is, uh, you know, introspective, you know, yeah, in, internal. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, you know, so I think that they've got a pulse on it. Obviously, if we've got a pulse on it, we know who's kind of going to be good. They obviously know that, too. Um, but but uh, I think more so than anything right now, they are really, really focused on on, you know, developing their culture and their team uh, internally. Certainly. I, I think that, that you're looking at the people compiling scouting reports are very low on the totem pole. 
as far you know it's not the assistants it's 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 further down the list of of support staff kind of guys that are probably doing that well i'd give anything to just wake up and get to the high school equivalent of of synergy which we have and and just spend all day breaking down opponents uh like the college guys do peggy Cantor asks how might it be handled if more recruits commit than there are openings to fill? That's an interesting question, Ryan, because this year you got that extra year, and I'm not sure how scholarships count, don't count, because all of IU's roster can come back uh, technically with the with the COVID year, um, and, and I don't know how long the extra year counts. Uh, right now we have two commits. Uh, and a couple announcements coming up in the next, uh, sounds like two weeks. So it could potentially be three or four. Uh, any thoughts on that, Ryan? Yeah, look, these things work themselves out. If they take two, you know, more commits than they have spots, somebody will transfer. Somebody's going to get the hint. Like it's, you know, if you're not playing and some guy's coming in who's going to take your time, these kids want to go play somewhere. And so I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I'm not for coaches intentionally pushing kids out, but it tends to work itself out that a kid will understand, well, if I'm never going to play and I'm a former three-star or whatever who has the potential to play at this level, I'm going to go find a place to play. I'm not just going to sit around and stay here. Um, that's typically what happens. The, you know, it's... It, and it happened and the transfer portal is the kind of thing that happened you know that makes that much more accessible for players to go find somewhere to play so i think that those things work themselves out they really do especially in modern college basketball it may have been harder for that to be solved 10 12 15 years ago it's not anymore these kids know they know when a commit comes in and is, is ballyhooed and and you know, has more ability than they do, and the coaching staff is certainly more invested in them, then they will take off. And and that's just the way it is. And, and it may not be the our favorite thing about college basketball, but that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think um, you're not going to turn down recruits because you only have a said number. You got to have enough, especially with the transfer portal. And that extra year, you know, there, there are people who have been in college basketball for five years that might be ready just to – to move on and not take that 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 extra year and trace jackson davis going to the pros so all right tony i'm going to send this question it's the last question and we'll call it a night this is from elbows in and we'll start with you tony based on what you could take away from limited game footage uh we we've seen a little bit more than that and knowing woodson has said that they've hardly installed their offense in practice what offensive things would you expect to be installed over the next couple of months yeah well, look i i don't i don't worry about um the amount of things that Woodson can put in. Um, I mean, this guy was is an NBA coach. He's got sets galore. I mean, he's he's knows he's got more sets in his repertoire than any of us combined have you know forgotten about. So, I, I in all honesty, I, I'm not worried about anything or that he may put in or may not put in. I really think it's going to be more of of read and react motion offense. And then when you need a bucket, he's got something in his repertoire that that he can pull out of his back pocket um, that the team has obviously practiced. But um, I don't expect it to be set-based, set-heavy. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of ball screen actions um, with shooters in the corners and guys replacing and just open floor. I mean, it, it's it's not it's not rocket science. You know, I think uh, you look at kind of like a Villanova style of motion offense, you might see something like that uh, with Woody's teams. But, I mean, overall, I think you're really just going to see things drilled from a perspective of, of space, of uh, give, taking what the defense gives you. Um, and then making a play out of a ball screen, um, you know, whether that be a rescreen action or, or 
um, you know, uh, uh, the big popping and turn into a dribble handoff. I know Mike Woodson is a big proponent of the dribble handoffs, saw some of that action uh, down in the Bahamas. So um, more so than anything, I know that that's a lot, but just modern offensive uh, techniques and, and, and uh, scheme, I think, is is a way to kind of summarize all of that. Ryan, your thoughts about what Coach Woodson might be doing here in the next two months offensively? I'm not sure. Honestly, I think it's just going to be up tempo, and I think you're going to see a lot of, you know, spread floors. So you're going to get a lot of pick and roll. I think you're going to get a lot of, as you said, dribble handoffs, things like that, to just keep motion going. Because in the NBA, if you're not moving, it's death to your offense, and and you see that it just winds up being one on one basketball, and that is the death to modern offense. And so I, I would say that I think there's just going to be a lot of movement and a lot of spread, the floor spread. And, and try and get more one-on-one stuff, especially on the inside for Trace Jackson Davis. I, I agree um, with both of you. There are so many sets out there in the world of basketball that, that coaches probably sometimes might have too many uh, and, and put some in on game week or whatever, a little bit too many, and complicate winning. But I'm thinking he's going to put more concepts in, like, you know, where's that next pass coming? Or we take a shot one pass too early. Look, this guy might be open. Uh, what I really liked, uh, Coach, uh, was how they're moving the help um, on with when they're ball screen action. So you got a high pick and roll, and people are interchanging on the baseline, or they're moving up from the corners, which drags the help defense out of a help position, which is you know you're just not standing stationary. That's that movement that Ryan was talking about. Uh, I, I just really liked how Coach had those guys moving the help line. And that's so important in, in any level of basketball. It's not just who has the ball and who's setting what screen, but you've got to think where's the help coming and try to eliminate uh, the help. And and I was pretty impressed with that. So I think Coach Woodson, if I were to 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 guess, is going to be more of a concept guy, um, and then have those eight thousand sets for for you know a scouting report where they want to take advantage. Or the other thing is, as he finds out about his players. To put players in position to succeed, he's going to pick from his vast library uh, of stuff to put those kids uh, in in position. And that could be week to week, month to month, uh, from a guy who knows as much basketball um, as Coach Woodson. That's it. We're done. No more questions. Okay, that's going to do it uh, for us here at the Assembly uh, Call. Um, Thank you for listening. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you again for listening. We'll talk to you again next week uh, or sooner if things start to break and the recruiting. Keep your elbows in and eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. You might get beat today, but each day you got to get better. All right. We survived. Dude. <laughs> that really pisses me off. Eh, I'm a whatever. perfectionist. It, it was something in uh, in, in my recording that I had th- this recording. Click the switch over. And Jer- Jared has something when I clicked the middle of the screen. It's behind the scenes. It, it must have also switched from my headphones to a monitor, and I just couldn't mm. hear once I hit record. Yeah. So, I think it I might be a stream yard thing because – that's what at the beginning when mine kept shutting off, my mic kept doing, kept switching my mics. So I don't, 
Maybe it's someone. Well, he's the he's also that's, the host. That's, I'm glad you said that. That mate, because I got a uh, I sent a picture to the guys to Jared, and it said your audio has been removed. And then it said to jump back in, and that's when I jumped back in a couple times. I could never find the audio, so it might have switched um, because it comes from Google Chrome to this output device, and maybe maybe there was a Streamyard situation. But um, man, I feel bad, but. Ryan, you shouldn't you shouldn't have done that. Now you should have just said, "Hey, wait, we'll start over." Because now Jared's going to want you to host. <laughs> no, it's not happening. It's cool. I look. I I think I was. It was like throwing a perfect game, man. Fifteen minutes, it just worked, <laughs> and then I just I'm done. I'm I'm stepping away. That, Tony, thanks great. for coming on, buddy. Yeah, appreciate Absolutely. it, man. You do good work and uh, appreciate what you do. It's always good talking with you, and um, we we need to do this some some more. Absolutely, I love being on here. I really enjoy it. Good All right, deal. Boys. All right, everybody. Um, Enjoy the rest of your nights, everybody. Yep. Have a good evening. Thanks for listening. We'll see you. At California's Great America, it's never too early to start thinking about next year's fun. That's why we're offering the lowest price of the year on a 2022 Gold Pass right now. That includes unlimited visits this year, so you can enjoy the Great Pumpkin Fest, Haunt, and Winterfest. Then unlimited visits next year to try new foods, enjoy festivals like Taste of Orleans, scream on our world-class coasters, and splash away at South Bay Shores Water Park, all for just $82 plus applicable taxes and fees. Hurry, offer ends October 31st, so get your Gold Pass now at cagreatamerica.com. It's amazing in here every day thousands of hackers try to steal your crypto but arculus uses air-gapped technology by forming a protective barrier that insulates you from hackers and secures your crypto order yours at getarculus.com look around you can find cars like these on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait Auto Trader.